Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Back when I was probably about 12 years of age, uh, whoever J and E, they scratched their initials on it, they don't have it any longer. But it's been in my possession for probably 50 years or more. And, or actually, longer than 50 years. And uh, this little compass here has uh, got me out of some jams before. And it's because I know how to, to read one. How many of you know that a compass does more than just point to the north? You know that? You know, but back in the day, before GPSs, we used to have, uh, like in scouting, uh, a map reading with a compass and how you can be dropped off in the middle of nowhere with a map and a compass and you can find your way out. And nowadays, they don't do that. They give you a cell phone with GPS so they can bring a helicopter to find you. They tell you, you just sit still. Uh, we'll come to you because people don't know how to survive in the great outdoors. But uh, anyway, this compass will always point towards the north, unless it's broken. And it hasn't been broken and still have it all these years. And I took it to Colorado with me when I went elk hunting out there some years ago. And I didn't take it because I was afraid I'd get lost. I took it so I wouldn't get lost, okay? And uh, so I, I carried it with me. But how many of you realize that a lot of times you can be uh, having a compass and the equipment that you have, and you be walking down through there, and you know that you know that you know that that roadway or whatever is right there. It's, it should be right there. And you're still moving through brush and trying to work your way down through there only to find out that the road was about 50 feet to your left. You could have been walking with ease, you know, with no problems whatsoever, with not ducking or anything, but because you were 50 feet away and there was no traffic on you, you couldn't tell there was a road there. So you're sitting there fighting, you know, through branches and spider webs and stepping over logs and things like that. Because it doesn't take but like one degree off to cause you to be in the wrong place. But location deals with more things than just a a point of, a place, I'll put it that way. Uh, Because location is greater than just a place. A lot of times we think of location, you go to the mall and what do you do? You go in there or to a shopping center, there's got the big billboards out there and It'll have all the outline of the stores. And there's usually this big red arrow that points down to a spot and it says, you are here. This giving you a point of reference. This is where you are. So that from that point, you can know which way to go and, and what to do. And that's what a compass would do for you. And that's what a map would do. And, a, and now everything is done with GPS is even the surveying and all. And it's, it's more accurate than anything else. But one thing that a compass uh, will do, but we don't really think about it, and a GPS as well, is it not only shows you a destination, but it also reveals time. And a lot of times we don't think about time being a location, but it is. How many of you realize the days that we're living in is also a location in history? Are you hearing me? You know, and it's important to understand and to think not just about where I'm standing or where I'm living, but also the time that I'm living in. 
Because that's where you're located. Are you hearing me? That's very important. You know, in uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1, Paul wrote this. He said to, to Timothy, he says, but I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified. It says, but understand this, that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. How many of you realize now that that's a location and that's the days that we live in? He said, for people will be lovers of self and self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by inordinate greed, desiring for wealth, proud and arrogant, contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They'll be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane, relentless, admitting of no truce. They will be slanderous, false accusers, troublemakers, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce and haters of good. They'll be treacherous, uh, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual uh, pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety or true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct is not genuine. Avoid such people. Turn away from them. Now this is speaking of a location in history. And I believe this is the days that we're living in. It doesn't take a, a very uh, educated man to have to sit back and look and see that the des description of the way people will behave in those last days are the days that we're living in. I, I experienced it uh, firsthand. And I believe that we're living in those days. What do we hear about? We're living in days of shortages. Can't buy baby formula. We're living in days of inflation with 9% in inflation. We're living in days of where gas is, is going up constantly every single day, wars and rumors of wars. And this may be what's talked about by many people, and it may be their story, but it doesn't have to be your story. Are you hearing me? This does not have to be your story. He said, stay away from those people. So apparently he has in mind, God does, something different. Last Friday night, I watched my 32nd uh, kindergarten graduation here at New Life. 32 of them. I'm sitting right over here where Marcia is and I'm watching the children as they get up and they perform and they're doing their, their little performance there before they graduate. Now I began to think back when I was five years old and it took some time to knock the cobwebs loose and, and so forth, but these kids are amazing. They, knew so, they know so much more than I did at five. And I thought, wow. You know, life was a lot simpler back then. And I was, I was watching them, and then they went to uh, doing the different little things, and then they began to recite the 23rd Psalm. And I'm watching them, and I'm listening to them, you know, and, and they recited it just like most kids do, you know, when they do something, they do it to see how fast they can go through it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like the ABCs. They want to see, can I do it under three seconds? And so they're up there speaking it forth, Psalms 23, and I'm, and I'm sitting there saying, slow down. 
slow down, slow down. Every word is a picture. Slow down. You're not getting the picture. Slow down. And I began to think of how many of us as adults can recite the 23rd Psalm, but we do it in the same manner. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we just go right on through it, you know. And we can say it, we know it, but do we know it? What do we really know about the 23rd Psalm? Unless we take the time to really spend with God and ask about it, let him start revealing to us about the 23rd Psalm, we're probably going to miss a lot of it. You see, the 23rd Psalm, I believe, is a location. It is a location in time. Just as there's a physical location, 23rd Psalm is a location. And it's located, not being humorous, but it's located between Psalms 22 and Psalms 24. That would be a physical location. But Psalms 22 has many passages referring to Jesus dying on the cross. The first, 20, the first verse says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalms, the, the, the seventh verse says, All they see me laugh at me to scorn. They shoot out their lips and shake their heads, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Remember these taking place there, just right there on, on the last day of his life. They gape at me with their mouths as raving and roaring lions. For God's uh, dogs have compassed, uh, have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. So we see that the 22nd Psalm is about Jesus dying upon the cross for us. In the 24th Psalm, it's not very long, I'll just read it to you real quick part of it. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who have not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Now this is the millennial reign of the church. This is speaking about the thousand year millennial reign of the church after the rapture. So we have chapter 22 talking about Jesus dying, paying the price for sin for all humanity. And then we have the 23rd Psalm. Then we get over to Psalms 24 talking about the millennial reign after the rapture. So we can see that the Psalms 23 is in between the two. So the location of this is where we're living. So it's important to understand Psalms 23 because this is where we are located. This is the day that we live in. Sandwiched between two times in eternity are the days that we live in. Psalms 23. So if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to Psalms 23. We'll not, uh, I don't know if we'll get through today, but we're going to go for it.
I will say this, if you're looking or waiting, maybe I should say, on a new president or Congress, or maybe uh, lower inflation, or looser regulations to live by, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. The world is not getting better. It's getting worse. And it's going to continue. I mean, it's in the Word. But the church has a promise. The church has a promise. And that's what Psalms 23 is. It's a promise. It talks about who we are and who He is. Y'all found it yet? It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The very first thing you need to look at is the word Lord. The word Lord there is Yahweh. It's God's name. It's not irreverent for you to say Yahweh. Okay? I know back in the day they only had the consonants there. They, they took the vowels out of it because they felt like it was being irreverent. Or they were, uh, maybe they were, started off they were being very reverent or thought they were. But God doesn't have a problem with you calling him by his name. No more than he has, you know, you have a problem being called by your name. I mean, it's who, he's the one that told us his name. I am, you know. But he has characteristics about him as well that express his love, such as provider, healer, counselor, deliverer, buckler, defense. All of these things also, they describe his character, his love for us, but his name is Yahweh. And it says here, that Yahweh is my shepherd, my shepherd. Now, I like this. The very first thing, like I said, that we need to grasp is the fact that Yahweh is the shepherd. Yahweh is the shepherd. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 10, 11, that he is the good shepherd. Jesus himself says, I'm a shepherd. Isn't it amazing how we'll see today in the scriptures where God is always relating to us or calling us basically sheep. And that's because we're dumb. We wander. There's a lot of things that you'll see that we, we act just like sheep. Isaiah 40, 11 says, says it uh, like this, is the Lord is my shepherd. Well, let me just go over here and look at this. It says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Speaking of Jesus, he shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. That is a shepherd. And that's what the Lord does. That's what he does. And, and you know, we, we have to, uh, to look at, at, at Jesus being our shepherd. Notice there that David said, he is my shepherd. My shepherd. Say that with me. My shepherd. My shepherd. Say it like you mean it. My shepherd. shepherd. You've got to get personal with it. It's not about David's God. It's about your God. Now, this is where we're living. Jesus said, according to, to looking at the location here, that we're located between when? His death, what he did on the cross. He paid everything. And when we're going home. Now, he's saying, I want you to grab a hold of the fact of who you are, where you're located. Are we located in him? Yes, we are. If you've given your life to the Lord, you are in him. And he is saying, I'm your Lord. I'm your shepherd. A lot of times we think about, well, that's Pastor Shepherd, or that's Aunt Susie's Shepherd, or that's maybe Miss Turner's Shepherd. 
And it's all because of the way you are feeling about you. Like you didn't earn it yet. Well, you're not going to earn it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. It's about what Jesus did in chapter 22, which makes you be at a place where you can say he is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. It's got to get down inside of you. It's my shepherd. I can never do anything good enough to earn him to be my shepherd. It's already finished. It's like a father that loves his children and some of them are doing better than the others. And, and one of them gets in trouble and it's like, Daddy, don't love me anymore. Yes, he does. His love never changed. Your behavior changed, but his love towards you has not changed. Yet the church walks around many, many days for years with this attitude. Well, you know, I hadn't killed a, a giant lately and I hadn't, you know, called down the walls of Jericho and I hadn't done these like, we have to earn something. We're not going to earn it. Receive what he's already done. Walk in the fact that he is your shepherd. He's my shepherd. Make it personal. Now, nobody else. I'll, I'll skip that part. You see, a lot of times people will believe that if so-and-so prays, God will hear their prayers before yours. Why would he do that? Does God have selective hearing? No, he doesn't. He heard your prayers. But maybe they weren't prayers of faith. Maybe it was more complaining. And you know that, well, you know, I don't get results for my prayers. I ask God, well, you know, God, whatever your will is, let it be done and nothing happens. And so-and-so, they pray and, and God answers their prayers. Well, it might be the way you're praying this is the problem. That you're not praying in faith. You're double-minded about it and so forth. You need to remember, again, what did happen in Psalms 22. Put you in position in 23 for greatness. How many of you know that we can be stubborn, self-centered sheep? Huh? Not completely obeying him or following after him, but we're still in the flock. You see, you see what I'm talking about? You're still in the flock. You know, he has to keep going back there and getting you and put you back up there with the rest of them. You wander off, and that's, that's what sheep do. And we may wander around off in ignorance or be separated from the rest of the flock because of circumstances. Uh, we didn't see it coming or whatever. But nevertheless, the shepherd is still our shepherd, and he still loves us. And if we truly gave our life to him, we're still part of the flock. We're part of the flock. And when we consider that, what, that Yahweh is our shepherd, we see ourselves as David saw himself that he was a, is a sheep. And we need to begin to understand that we are just like sheep. That's why Jesus referred to himself as the great shepherd or the good shepherd. Amen? So if we begin to see ourselves as sheep, we'll begin to see how great the shepherd is and what the shepherd does for us. See, David was a shepherd. He had, well, 11 brothers, and he was the one out in the field being the youngest. All the rest of them, they probably maybe had their little turn out there with being with the sheep, but David embraced it. 
he was going to learn everything. And he was out there and spent many nights out there and by himself and days out there with the sheep, and the, with all the flock. And he, he worked hard at doing it. And he would lay out there and begin to see things from a different view. He realized something about who God is to the point where he knew when that bear came down to take one of his daddy's sheep, no, you're not going to have it. My God was with me, and I will take it out of your mouth. And he went over there, and, the, and it says that the lion uh, raised back at him, and he just took him by the beard and slapped him and killed him. And the bear came to do the same thing at a different time, and he killed the bear. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have been one lamb that just got took. I mean, I would have had to say, you know, Lord, I said, Daddy, we lost one, but not David. You know why? Because he had spent so much time with God and knew who he was, that I'm destined for greatness, and it's not to be ended up at the mouth of a lion. You know, we spend too much time in front of the TV set and listening to people tell us and define us who we are instead of who God says we are. David spent time listening to what God said about him. And so David would begin to consider how good a, a, a shepherd he was to his flock. How he'd go out there and he would take care of them, make sure that they had everything they had need of. And as he was doing that, thinking about how he protects the flock, how he provides for the flock, and all, he began to see and recognize that our God, that Yahweh was just like he was to him. Just as he is to a flock of sheep, Yahweh is to his people. And the more he began to meditate on them, the stronger it got within him. And the more he realized that God is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. Which brings him to a place of, uh, 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 of being like the, the, the clay and the potter. You know, he, it's a working relationship. And he began to think about it, laying out there at night. I imagine he could see the stars and just kind of like laying around. And he realized and knew that God is the creator. In other words, Yahweh is the creator. My shepherd is the creator. He created everything. He created all these stars in the sky, which are all bigger than our sun. And he's looking at the stars at night, and he knows how great God is that he just threw them out there. And if we took our best telescope and we took it to the nearest star and turned it around to point it back at Earth, we couldn't find Earth. That's how far it is. And this is our shepherd. He's the creator of everything. You go out there, Marsha was planting some flowers yesterday, they would go digging in the topsoil and the dirt and all. How many of you realize that there's probably uh, microorganisms there that are so tiny you can't even see it with a uh, a magnifying glass or, a, or a, a microscope, yet it's there. And the structures of the cells are probably uh, to a place where we can't even comprehend it yet, probably so complex. But yet the greatness of our God, the creator that created the universe, created those organisms as well. And if he cares about the two extremes, how about you in the middle? He did all of those things being the creator, and that's who he is. He's our shepherd. That's who God is. Our shepherd is. And you look at it in the forefront of his thoughts. 
He did every bit of that for me. He created both. The whole solar system that stays in order and things that we can't even see with our eyes. All of those things in between, he created it with me in mind. He did it all for me in mind. Now, if, if I was in his mind for all that, he is my shepherd. I mean, think about it. We have to take it on a personal level. He did all that for me, and he did it for you. Everything. Everything that's in creation was created, and the very last thing was what? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So he created man in his image and likeness. Everything that we'll ever have need of, God provided before he ever said, let us even make a man. You need to let that just resonate with you for a while. Just let it sink in. And next time you get to wondering about, how am I ever going to pay for this? How am I ever going to get this? How am I ever going to do this? I wish this. He's already provided it. What we have to do sometimes is be still, be quiet, and receive what he's already done. And let him figure out how he's going to get it to you. Okay? Say, well, that's, that's, that's not, Pastor, that's hard to do when you don't have any money in the bank. Hey, listen, we've lived it. We know. We've been there. It's, I didn't say it was easy. But it's easier than doing without, isn't it? Huh? I remember well, there was a time when Marsh and I, we had peas and, and corn every day. What was it, for three weeks? And that was not really bad because there was a time when we didn't have food at all. Nothing. And peas and corn's better. I'm just here to tell you, peas and corn's a lot better. Now, we'd have liked to have had other stuff, but that's all we had. So I know how it is. But we have to come to a place where we understand that everything that we ever had need of, God's already provided because he is our shepherd. This thought alone ought to just cause you to come to a place where you understand that you are on his mind. And you are the, uh, are the object of his affection. It's you. How could you deny ownership to a God that's done everything like this for you? You can't. It doesn't, it's inconsistent with reason. You don't want to do that. So here it is. He said, the earth, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And then he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. Now, David was speaking on his behalf and not on the behalf of others. He was proclaiming that he won't. He shall not want. He knew that other people would probably want, but he wasn't going to want. David knew that he had a, if he had a need, God would provide it. He knew that he was going to be satisfied because of his shepherd, who his shepherd was. He knew that his shepherd would provide all of his needs. Now, others may want, but he wasn't going to want. Why? Because he knew that God's already took care of it. And we have to come to a place just like that. Do you think David ever had any rough times? All you got to do is read through the word. You'll find out that he did. He did. He had many rough times. Saul tried to kill him on several occasions. You know, but we have to understand, he said, he said 
the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He can't speak on your behalf, but he can speak on his behalf. He says, I'm not going to want. I am not going to want. And that word want means to lack, to fail, to lessen, and it's always followed with the word not. In other words, David said, I shall not lack, I shall not fail, I shall not want, and I shall not lessen. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. That's why. Not because I'm smart or good looking or anything, but because the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 34, 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. This word fear is reverencing God. There is no want to those that reverence God. And that's a, something that needs to really come back into the church house, is a reverence, a reverence, an honor to who God is. Too many people, I mean, yes, Jesus said he, he called us friends. But too many times people have got this attitude that I've noticed that, uh, well, Jesus said it, but it's like if a friend told you, well, I'll take it or leave it. No, you don't do that with God's word, take it or leave it. That's not what you do. Reverence God and what he said. He goes on and he says, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. Why? Because they lack experience. And the same is true with believers. They lack fellowship with the Lord. But it says, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. If you're walking in fellowship with God, you can come to a place where you realize, you know what? I'm not going to lack anything. I, I will not want any good thing because the Lord is my shepherd. He has provided it all. Psalms 84, 11 says this. It says, for the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, say no good thing, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So if you just do what he said, stand and believe and to walk like he told us to walk, do what he said to do, be who he said for us to be, he will not withhold any good thing from you. Nothing. That's what he said. Did he lie about it? I don't think so. I believe he's, he meant what he said. Psalm 67, 5 says, Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our God, shall bless us. Maybe what we're doing is, or maybe what we're not doing is praising God for what he's done. And if we'll begin to start praising God for what he's already provided and praising him for who he is, maybe we'll begin to see the oh, the earth, the things we have need of, will not be withheld. It'll yield increase to us. And then the next six verses of this chapter, David goes and explains why he'll not lack, why he'll not fail, why he'll not want, and why he'll not lessen in substance or anything else. And so David begins to bring out in the next six verses about God, the shepherd's provision, his protection, his restoration, his guidance, his prosperity throughout his life and dwelling with Yahweh forever. He, he says, this is what he's going to do over the next six verses there. He's explaining 
how God, the Lord, is his shepherd and he's going to provide everything. David knew that the well-being of the sheep depended upon the integrity of the shepherd. He knew that when people looked at the sheep that he was watching over, they were looking at his character. And he says, I'm going to take care of my sheep. And there were some shepherds back in the day, they didn't take proper care of the sheep. Matter of fact, Laban had Rachel, his youngest daughter, out there taking care of the sheep. She wasn't doing a very good job. She probably did the best she could. But the Bible says that when Jacob showed up, that she was watering them at the wrong time of the day. And what was, it couldn't have been a very big flock. I mean, you got your young daughter out there tending to them. But after he got there and worked it for 14 years, it had become a great multitude. Why? Because he was a good shepherd. He understood it. He put his name on it. He worked it. He did what it took. And it became a great multitude. You see, when this case when a shepherd is really being the good shepherd, the, the sheep will flourish. Why? Because they, could, they were taken care of properly. And the Lord wants us to know him as the good shepherd. The good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it goes on in verse 2, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Notice the very first thing I want you to see is green pastures. He didn't take them to some place out there that's parched ground, that's all dried up, that's nothing to eat. It, you know, he didn't do that. He takes them where? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm going to provide you with the best. Now, there's something about sheep. There's four requirements that have to be met before a sheep will even lay down. The first one is, is there cannot be any outside threat to their life. They're not going to lay down. They're going to be restless if they feel or sense that there's a wolf or a bear or some wild animal out there that's going to kill them. They're not going to lie down. But the Bible, he said, he maketh me to lie down. So he knew that it was nothing outside the camp, no evil, that was going to be able to, take, to kill him or that bear or that lion or that giant. Why? Because the Lord is his shepherd. It didn't matter if he was out in the field or out there in the valley facing Goliath. He knew the Lord's going to cause me to lie down in green pastures. There is no fear from that outside. He knew he was a man of a covenant. That's why he called Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who's this guy without a covenant? I, I have a covenant with God. He is my shepherd. So any outside interference... How many of you know that you can go to bed at night, you don't have to worry about Russia, you don't have to worry about anything because the Lord is your shepherd. And if you stayed up all night and nothing happened, then you just lost a lot of sleep, right? If you stayed up all night and Russia wiped out the whole world, well, you know what, you won't know it anyway. Don't waste your time. Second thing is, is sheep won't lie down if there's problems inside the camp. If you've got another sheep over here that's been butting heads with, this, with you all day long, uh, you can't lay down, lie down. So he's also, because the shepherd is there, he does not allow internal problems going on with this sheep and that sheep butting heads, which in the Bible we talk about it with strife and envy and, and that sort of thing taking place. 
See, sheep won't lie down, no matter how tired they are, they won't lie down if they feel threatened from without or from within, either place. They won't do it. And he knew this. And so he'd have, I'm sure, had to separate, you know, a couple of them out there butting heads all the time. But there's another thing that sheep will not lie down, and that is if they're being basically attacked or uh, aggravated with pestilence. Yeah. Those gnats get her in their eyes and all that kind of stuff, and they get up in their nose and, and uh, fleas and all kind of other little parasites, and they get in there and they lay their eggs. Now they're moving around. Oh, yeah, I'm just telling you, that's what happens. And it's recorded that sheep will literally take their head and beat it on a rock till they die to get the relief. That's why they anointed their head with oil, you know, to keep all that from being able to happen uh, for the parasites to get in there. But they're not going to lie down if this is all going on inside of them. So they have to be free of pestilence. How many of you know that the church house has been known to be full of pestilence at times? Called people. That's where they get that saying that, that people bug you. Okay? So, not going to say anybody's name. I'm <clears throat> not, not doing that. But we're not it. We're not that type of church. So there's no substitutes for the awareness of Holy Spirit. And there's no substitute for having a God that takes care of us. That we don't have to be concerned with earthquakes and droughts and plagues and all those type of things, nor do we have to be concerned with, uh, with pestilence taking, uh, happening in, in our lives. Sheep will not lie down if they feel like there's no provision. If they look around and it doesn't look like there's anything to eat or they're hungry or whatever, they're not going to lie down. But the Bible says that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. So he's taking care of all the problems outside the camp. He's taking problems within your own internal self and how you see yourself and all those type things. Because most of it's inside of you, your fears, your worries, your concerns. He's took care of all the things that bug you. And he's made sure that you had plenty of provision. And in doing so, that gives you rest. And so you can sit back and say, ah, the Lord, yes, he's prepared a place for me. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. Then he says, he leadeth me beside still waters. He leads me. He leads me. Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He is guiding us into our future. This is where we are living. This is a location, Psalms 23. We're to be living this life where that he will show you things to come. That he will lead you in which way you should go. How many of you know the Bible says, I mean, right there in Proverbs 3, Verse 5, he says, What? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he's going to do what? Direct your path. There you go. He's going to take care of it. If you ask the Lord, you know, for direction, is he going to say, Well, I'm not going to tell you. You just got to figure it out on your own. 
I mean, if you being uh, a, a father would, and your child came to you, and the Bible says, Jesus said, if they came to you asking for bread, would you give them a stone? If they asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? And it says, you being evil, if you would do that, give it to them, right? How much more shall I, the father, the good shepherd, give to them the Holy Spirit? He says, I want them to prosper. I want them to have it. How many of you know that there's a lot of times people, though, as Holy Spirit will lead, they'll go so far and then they'll stop? Huh? Remember the 12 tribes of Israel when they were in the wilderness and they were fixing to cross the Jordan River and go into Jericho and so forth? Do you know that two and a half of the tribes said, this is as far as we're going, we're happy right here? Two and a half tribes says, hey, this is as far as we'll go. Now, we're going to go over there and fight and let, help you out, take over all the land there, the promised land. But we're not really interested in going into the promised land. We're just going to hang out right here next to the promised land. This looks good to us. And I imagine after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, being real close to the promised land, it, it probably was really looked good, but it wasn't the promised land. And a lot of people do that. They come right up to where they could get there, but yet they quit. They stop early when they should be pressing on in. And that's what we need to do. We need to press on in and continually say, no. Now, we're living in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He's took care of everything for me already. He leads me beside the still water. Still waters. Being quiet waters. Peaceful places. That's what he's saying. He goes on and he says, He restoreth my soul. How many of you know after the last several years that we've all experienced, our soul needs to be restored. Huh? With all the uncertainty that's gone on, the distrust, all the different things that's happened, you don't know whether to believe the CDC or not. You don't know whether to believe the president. You don't know whether to believe the Congress. Lies, lies, and more lies. Everywhere you turn, you don't know if it's the corporate people doing it or the banking industry is doing it. You don't know who's doing it. It's just like you're just there. You know what? You can trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust in Him. He restoreth your soul. You need to just stop listening to all of them and start listening. God, what are you saying? What are you saying? Because what they're saying changes, it seems like, on a daily basis. Stock markets, well, the, it's going to crash the next day long. Well, I think it's over with. Now it's going to go back up the other way. Everybody's got an opinion. I want to know what did God say. And he said, what? I got you back. I got it took care of. Every bit of it. I'm going to restore your soul. Maybe you've gone through a rough time, and there's many different things that you could have gone through, whether it's been disappointments in, in relationships, at work. It could be all kind of things that's happened that's caused you to just, you know, your soul just to be weary and, and wore down and, and aggravated and, and being lied to and everything. Well, you know what? He's going to restore your soul if you'll let him. Just say, Lord, this is, I, I need some help. I need help. Just own up to it. He restoreth my soul. That word restoreth, it means to turn back. Not in the sense of going back to the starting point, but it could be. You see, he says I'm going to restore your soul. He's not interested in taking you back before you had the incidents at work. 
or had an incident in your relationship before the problem started happening. He's not interested in just taking you back to that point. No, what he wants to take you back to is all the way to the garden where he created Adam and put him in there with no worries, no fears of any kind. That's his restoration type. That's how he restores. Let's take it back to the original place. Not just to the place before you had a problem. Let's take you all the way back to the original place where there was no sin. Because, see, he's done away with sin in Psalm 22. Why? So you can live Psalm 23 and then enjoy the millennial reign of Psalm 24. Because this is where we're located in Psalm 23. In Psalm 23. Now, I know I'm running through this pretty quick, and because of time's sake, we'll do one more and that's it. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God's name's on the line. He's going to lead us in the paths of righteousness in the way we should be living for his name's sake. He's going to guide us. How many of you know when you're going to a new place and visiting someplace, it's always good to have a guide? I was thinking about, you know, wouldn't it be neat just to kind of go down like the Colorado River down through the Grand Canyon and all? But how many of you want to go out there and get on a raft with somebody to go down those rapids and everything where somebody says, well, I don't know, I've never been down through here. This is my first trip too. That'd just be real comforting, wouldn't it? I wouldn't get in that boat. And I wouldn't get in a boat with Paul. He always had trouble with boats. Got to use his head on that one. If you got a guide, they can inform you about a lot of things you'd miss out on. When we were in Rome, we had uh, these little recorders, you know, that would tell us, you go stand in front of something, they'd tell you all kinds of things, information about a picture, a painting, a sculpture, or whatever. And that was good. But if you had a guide, they could go into a lot more detail about things. And, uh, you know, we went to, uh, when we were in Pompeii, we had a guide. And that was an instance where we became like sheep because we wandered off. And, uh, but nevertheless, the guide was explaining this and that, and he was telling us about how far. Well, you could see the, the mountain there that exploded in, from the volcano, and, they, and it didn't look like it was that far, but it was a long way off, a really long way off. But if we didn't have a guide, we'd look and say, well, that don't look like that's that far, you know. But they explained things to us about the, the whole culture of the time and all kind of things that was going on. That God, well, that God is who Holy Spirit is. He will explain to you, you. He will introduce you to your thoughts and why you think the way you do and how you come to the conclusions you do. And then he'll say, this is what I want you to think on instead of that old thinking. Let me give you some new thinking. How many of you know that, uh, like I said, you can wander off, because we sure did when we had our guide. We, we got separated because Marcia wanted to linger uh, looking at old rocks or something. And she's saying, no, that was you. Well, it was. And, um, but if you're listening to him, he will inform you and he'll continue to show you. He leads us down the path of righteousness for his name's Sake. God desires the world to see him in you. God's reputation is important to him. And he wants, when you say that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, he wants the world to see you, 
the way you're supposed to be. Psalms 23, people. That you don't want anything because you have everything. Say, do you think, does that mean I will not have any trouble? Are you kidding me? You're going to have trouble. But you don't have trouble, don't have you. You're going to walk through it. And we'll see that in a few, you know, next week as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not that you're not going to face it. He's already provided this first few. It's just the layout of saying to you, this is where the church is in the middle between what Jesus has done and where we're going. That location is very important because this is where you need to live. Not in defeat, but in victory. Not in lack, not in want, live in provision. Live in what God has made available to you. Yeah, you'll have to fight for it. That devil's going to come to you and say, that's just a bunch of bunk, that's not going to happen. Listen, I understand. I've been there. But I had to make a choice. What am I going to believe? I already was experiencing nothing and failure. What did I have to lose by actually selling out and trusting God? I had nothing to lose. How much hunger could we get? We didn't have any food to start with. Didn't have a place, you know, really nice to live in. Didn't have anything. So what did we have to lose? We had everything to gain and nothing to lose. So, well, you know what, Marcia? Let's go for it all the way. I'm not interested in stopping part way and coming right up to the promised land. I'm not interested in just getting by. Let's do it. Either he's going to be our shepherd or he's not. He's going to be our God in every area of our life or he's not going to be God at all. It's not a game. I'd been to church. I'd seen games. I didn't want to have part of that. And I began to meditate and I would think about it riding to work every day. What will my life look like if I really surrender all to him? What will it look like? And tears would run down my cheeks. Because I knew that if we really, really did it with all our heart, he wouldn't let us down. He would find a way, make a way, because of his name's sake. For his name's sake. Now, we didn't start out believing for brand new cars and things like that. I was, Lord, if you can just make this car work a little bit longer. I know it's got over 100,000 miles on this motor. But if you can just, and he said, that's not how you pray, Alan. Pray right. Lord, I thank you that my, my, my vehicle works properly and perfectly as if it was a brand new car. I thank you it takes me to and from work. No mechanical breakdowns of any kind. I started declaring what the word is over my vehicle. You know why? Because I didn't have brand new car faith. And I wasn't going to pretend that I did and go telling everybody I got brand new car faith. I didn't have it. But I had faith that my car that I did have would make it. And you know it did. And then we worked our way up, get brand new car faith. Didn't have to stay there. Amen? So where are we living? Where are we located? Psalms 23. This is a lot different than what you're used to hearing at a funeral. Psalms 23 is usually read at a funeral, but it's for the living. It's for us. This is where we are. 
And we need to recognize our location and time in history right now. This is where the church is. So if you're going to be here at this time, why don't, we, why don't we just live it the way he said we're to live it? Amen? In victory. Every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here today and you've kind of him hauled around about things. you like, well, I, I, I believe that God can. I just don't know as he will. After all, look what I've done and, and had that kind of an attitude. And Well, I believe he might would do that for pastor. He lives better than I do and, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know as he do it for Stop all that nonsense and declare that the Lord, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth and all that's everywhere, the creator of everything, seen and unseen, is your Lord. He is your shepherd. Your shepherd. His provision is for you. He's taking care of all the things in your life so that you could lie down in green pastures. He's taking care of the problems from without. He's taking care of the problems within. He's taking care of the pestilence in your life. And he's taking care of, the, of your provision for life. He leads you by still waters so that you don't wander off. He sent Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. To reveal things to you to come so that you don't walk in fear. That you don't stumble when things take place in, in the world that, that rocks everybody else's boat. And he says... I restore your soul. I restore your soul. All the hurts, all the disappointments, I'll restore it all. And I have you looking to me instead of looking to your hurts. The Lord said, I'll restore your soul back to its original place of no fear, no worry, no complaints, no problems. Where it was Adam and God walking with no sin. He said, I've taken care of that as well. And he says, I've done all this in your life for my name's sake. I'm good for it. I'm good for it. So if you've been feeling beat up, beat down, depressed, looking at the shortages of this country, and around the world, looking at the inflation and all the other stuff, if that's got you to where it's trying to become your story, you just say, no, no, no. That's not my story. That may be their story, but my story rests and resides within Psalms 23. My story says that I'm more than a conqueror. Make a decision. Make a decision. I'm not living anywhere else. I'm going to live where God has me and where he's placed me, and that is in Psalms 23. That is where I'm going to live. Now, Lord, I just thank you and I praise you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, as the people meditate upon Psalms 23, that it becomes more and more real to them, more and more real. They, 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 they grasp it. They start declaring every day, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd, my shepherd, my shepherd, my shepherd. It becomes personal with them. Lord, I thank you that your blessings are upon them as they go today. Bless coming in and bless going out. Lord, I thank you that they're healed. 
they're healed and free from any fear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.